This is just a final bonus episode, just to round things off as we prepare for the new year. It is a long format one, it's not set in a part one and part two, but it is, as we discussed last week, the encapsulation of the Q&A session that we had last week, and we collated all the questions that were asked, and some of the ones that were done as extras and we discussed them amongst ourselves amongst a small select audience who were able to ask the wrong questions as we went along. Um, I hope that you are blessed by this and I hope you enjoy the ride. So without further ado, let's jump straight in. So, so can I be heard now? Yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I can be heard by you, but can I be heard by the other folks? Yes, sir. Oh, what a palm beer. Yes. <laughs> Good evening. <laughs> okay. Well, well, okay. I turn over to Brother Parmby. <laughs> <laughs> don't even think he knows the question yet. I, I think I caught the tail end of it, but I'm not fully aware. <laughs> What's the question? Um, the question was, uh, it's a, is worshipping Jesus taking away from worshipping God and then there's like two other questions after this. So that, uh, or focusing so much on the Holy Spirit, lessening the glory and the wonder of God. And should we be more careful to not place emphasis on one aspect of the Godhead more than another? An interesting question. It uh, is, yeah. Have you had some answers? Yes, it's interesting. Uh, my answer is, is along the lines, something like this, yeah? The fullness of, of God dwells in Jesus in a body. Paul says, the fullness of the Godhead dwells in a body, yeah, in Jesus. So if you look at Revelation, what do you see? You see the throne. Do you see one person on the throne or two? So have a think. In the book of Revelation, you see the people are worshipping the 24 elders. But who's actually there? And Jesus took the scroll from the hand of him who sat in the throne. Our worship is directed in a triune manner, yeah? It's, it's by a triune God. So when we are first, when we become Christians, God the Father, out of the fullness of his grace and mercy, sent his Son, but the Son sent the Spirit. So we first come into contact with God through the Holy Spirit. But that's as it's delivered by the word. So when we worship, there comes the Holy Spirit again. You know, it talks about in Ephesians how we should be filled with the Holy Spirit. It talks about not being drunk, but it talks about singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and so forth. Yeah. So I don't have, I can't see a difference really. Uh, the only thing I would uh, probably be curious about is something called the triune formula It's like where people pray to the father in the name of the son by the spirit 
that's a, an interesting thought, but I haven't looked much into that. So for me, we are worshiping first and foremost, the father, but through the son, in the name of the son, by the spirit. Now, that's sort of like time formula. That's how I see it. So do you distract any, detract anything from the other people, the persons in the Godhead? I don't think it works like that. I think it's, that's our a lack of understanding. I think we're supposed to be worshiping God, the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit. But they're united. So I don't know how you can separate that. Yeah. Um, can, can I add a little bit of perm view? Please. Yeah, so um, I am very much um, in line with what Brother Paramvir is actually saying. And um, and I, I think the way to really resolve resolve it or, or, or um, come to terms with what we are actually discussing is as usual, have a look and see how Jesus presented the situation regarding him and his father, and also where we get our example of how to practice God, how to practice salvation, how to practice just about every aspect of our Christian life is through the highs and um, conduct and emphasis of the apostles. So if we put the same emphasis on things, whatever those things are, that the apostles give to those particular things, if we demote things that the apostles demote, and if we promote things that the apostles promote, I think we will be on the right track. If we do things that the apostles didn't do, didn't promote, didn't sanction, I think we are off track. They are, the apostles are the ones, if I'm going to use, that Christ gave to lead us to himself. Um, and their words, you know, which are not the words of the apostle Paul, they're not the words of Peter, they're not the words of James, they are the word of God um, that was spoken through people, you know, but they're, they're, the ownership of what was said doesn't belong to those people. So, um, Jesus, for one, in is, um, okay, let me just do a little bit of a step back in one sense. And, and sometimes the way that we look at um, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit kind of thing, sometimes that kind of a way that we look at it will tend to make us, um, um, if you like, um, separate, um, put a partition between, between it, or even give them a sort of a hierarchical structure, which um, there is a sort of a structure, but it is not to do it it, I don't suggest it's to do with hierarchical structure, but listen to how Jesus would uh, how, how Jesus would, would put it. He says, I and my father, we are one. The father does this and I do it. When, they when the people worship Jesus, now remember now, 
that is one of the things that the scribes and the Pharisees were really, really um, um, put off. Are they used as a covering to attack Jesus? Because the people viewed him more than a prophet, more than a man. They viewed him and he himself made himself, because this is one of their charge against him. You, may, you being a man, make yourself equal with God. Well, Jesus basically said, whatever God does, I do. You know, God forgives sin, I forgive sin. Um, God has put all things under my power. And here it is. We are so estranged. I know that we love to, we love to believe as, um, as Christian that, we're, that we, we and God are bodies, you know. And, and I think uh, we're bodies. And sometimes you hear people talk some language about God that, literally betrays to me that they don't understand who God is and who they're talking about. Like you hear somebody say, oh, me and God, we were having a discussion. Me and God, we were having, and, and God said this to me, and I told God, no, I, I don't like this God. You can't do that. You know, those kind of uh, um, um, perception of a relationship with God is not only, with, not only are they misguided, they are they, they, they verge on heresy. We do not have that. None of the apostles, none of the holy mighty prophets, Elijah, Jeremiah, Isaiah, um, um, Samuel, none of them had that kind of a casual, trivial um, relationship with God that we in the 21st century, in particular Pentecostal Christian men and women um, want to want to evoke and create with the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ as God, they stand um, not, not in a position of, for trivial conversation or whatever, so that I had to, to bring down to our level, like say, oh, I was having a word with Brother Paramvia yesterday, and Brother Paramvia suggested this to me, and I said, oh, Brother Paramvia, you know, I don't agree with that. You can't do that, Brother Paramvia. That's not nice, Brother Paramvia. You don't really want me to do this to you, Brother Paramvia. You can't talk to God like that. You're, you're irreverent, you know? And I hear it so frequently, but, but that, for me, just help me to drill down that we do not have a proper understanding of the God before whom we are ministering, uh, are, are standing, are, uh, are in whose presence we are. But here's the thing. In heaven, here's where we make a big mistake um, when it comes to Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus Christ um, is really a manifestation, yes, of God, but he's a manifestation of something else as well, um, which is still God. He's a manifestation of something, but he's also manifest, he's, he, which is still God. But here it is. Jesus Christ, the man, did not exist in heaven. The word of God are the word existed in heaven and the word which was God scripture says uh, in, in, in St. John it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God now Jesus Christ was the word and the word was made flesh and dwelt with us so the flesh bit 
has a, um, has a, a, a time, um, if you like, a, a beginning to it. But the word which Jesus was, which was made flesh, you know, um, was, um, was, was God. Now, and, and we believe that we can just, um, um, sometimes as Christians, we believe that the Pentecostal in particular, we believe that we can just have this, we can just um, um, come into the face of God. But we couldn't. We could not. We couldn't. Jesus Christ is the bridge that makes it possible for us to get to God. You know, Jesus says, I am the way. The way to what? The way to God. I am the truth. The truth of what? The one who reveals God. You know, God is the truth, you know, and Jesus Christ is what reveals uh, God to us. He, you know, so all our devotion, if we understand who Jesus really is, then we will make no distinction between falling down prostrate, calling him God, you know, worshiping before him as if it was God. We do not know God. Nobody know God. None of us know God. We know Jesus Christ, who is God. And that's what Jesus, Jesus said to his disciple, when the disciple said, show us the Father and it will support, suffice us. And Jesus said, have I been so long time with you and you're asking me to show you the Father? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So Jesus Christ is that door that we must get to whatever knowledge we want of God. It, if you have knowledge of Jesus Christ, you have knowledge of God. That is the way that we get to know God through Jesus Christ. So if we, if we worship Jesus Christ, we worship God. But you must understand that Jesus Christ, you can, but this is only good if we acknowledge and confess that Jesus Christ is not just Jesus Christ, as, as the man, Jesus Christ is God. And then there is no distinction in that sense, whether you worship God or worship Jesus Christ, because it is the same. But all knees shall bow before him and every tongue confess before him, you know, that Jesus Christ is Lord. You know, and this is, the, so, so I, I, I end a little bit like that. Um, there's a lot more to be said, but uh, but I'm just trying to bring those together. That they, sometimes, as Brother Parmbi said, it's our it's us not understanding what this Jesus is, and what he I wouldn't even say represent because he didn't represent anything. He is what he is. You know, he wasn't representing God. He was God. He is God. I am only God, and that's why the Jews were ready to kill because he said, I am, I am the bread of life. And they knew what that meant, that God was the bread of life. And for Jesus to say that, that's what stuck in their throat. But Jesus was actually saying, you know, this is it. I am God, come in the flesh, you know, um, so, but, but which they didn't, they didn't understand that. So, so I, I hand there so for the time being and see what, what, what anybody else say, yeah? I was going to say, I don't know if anybody else has got anything else to say. Um... I was going to say, I might drop in my bit, and then I don't know if probably you've got anything to say, and then we can move on to another question if nobody else has anything. I'm, I'm happy with what's been said. Okay. What do you say? Um, I was just going to say that with that, um, kind of viewing the question with, 
It's like, and I agree with everything you've said. Um, I do find it interesting that um, I think you can get into this weird place where you can focus a lot on one aspect without necessarily exploring the others. So I guess um, there can be a lot of focus on like, oh, the Holy Spirit and the sort of like the spiritual gifts and the things that go on um, with him, but then not necessarily understanding um, like the things that Pramvir, no, sorry, the things that Alfred have said, um, but then like things like the reason as to why he was sent to, to earth and what the atoning work of the cross means for us and the things to unpack with that and then coming to like God the Father understanding he's like completely loving but he's also a just judge as well so there's all these other aspects that um, yes. very much tie all in as one but there can be a lot of focus on yes than well, not the other so you can say oh you know I have all these um, yeah I have all these um, experiences with the Holy Spirit and stuff it's like oh okay so um, how secure are you that you're going to go to heaven? Oh, uh, well, I don't know, you know, it, yeah. if, if I, you know, do well enough or not. So, yeah. but if you are grappling with the Holy Spirit, then that should lead you to try and understand Jesus more. And if, when you understand Jesus more, you understand yeah. how yeah. God works. But yeah. then I can see it's probably where I think the the person who sent the question is probably trying to, trying to get at. Yeah. So, 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 it's, so sorry, Brother Reese, if I, if I jump in again, right, and, 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 and I'll pick up on that as well, and, I, and I'll just trip this bit in as well, regard, because if we can identify what was the problem with the Jews and Jesus, then I think we can identify some of our own problems with, with, um, with Jesus as well, because we do have a problem with Jesus, because, you know, um, so, so the Jews, um, one of their problem with Jesus um, was, um, was exactly the thing that Jesus told them and the apostles told the Jews that you must get over this barrier. Because if you don't get, you think you can bypass something to get to God. But you know, this is a barrier. Jesus is called a stumbling block to the Jews. And the stumbling block means that say, you think you're going somewhere, but you're stumbling over something that you cannot avoid if you're really going to go to where you're going to go. Because it is actually Jesus that's going to transport you to where you think you want to go. And you want to go to God, but there's a stumbling block that you got to reconcile with which you have, you, you, this is the stone that the builders refuse, but the stone is the corner to the whole of everything, and you can't bypass this. So until you reconcile it, it is a stumbling block. You're falling over it. You're tripping over it. It's the block. It's the part of the equation that you cannot solve. You, ca you cannot solve the whole equation or the pro equation properly until you come to terms with this part of the equation that you're making a stumbling block. So Jesus, so Jesus was a stumbling block to the Jews and Jesus told them, you cannot, you think that God is your father? You are joking. 
your God is not your father, because if God was your father, you would love me, you know, so, 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 um, you, you know, and so Jesus, um, G Jesus, the stumbling block continues to be the fact that they couldn't understand and accept that Jesus um, was the real manifestation of God, which he was in every sense there is nothing that god you know you know um sometimes we have a, um a, a, a sort of a weird way that we look at god and we say you know the reason why jesus didn't know jesus doesn't know when when the hand is coming and things like that we, you hear people say well well jesus jesus if he knew he would tell us you know in other words <laughs> jesus would jesus would love us so much that he would tell us you know I don't know how how we in our simplicity think that say Jesus would tell us what he what what is none of our business and what we don't need to know and what wouldn't enhance us and what's got got absolutely nothing to do with us. You know, uh, we say if he knew that when the hand was coming, he would he would breach his um his his relationship, his position, his his authority with God and say, oh oh, I, I love these people so much. You know, God, there's God there one. Don't want them to know, but but I I love them so much. I've developed such a beautiful loving relationship with them. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tell them, even though God don't want me to tell them. And that's the kind of a mindset we have when we when we sometimes talk about Jesus. Jesus would do because He loves us so much. He would He would breach something something of His own divine self to please us or to make us comfort. No, Jesus wouldn't. Jesus He. Even when Jesus was here, and they, just listen to the Peter. Peter wants to know something that has nothing to do with him. And this is to do with John, John the Revelator. And Peter said, and what shall this man do? Jesus said, what is that to do with you? If I would that he tarry till I come, you just get on with your business. And that is to follow me. In other words, Jesus would... No, no matter what knowledge Jesus have, if it doesn't belong to us, he tells us what we need to know. We don't need to know when the hand is. That is part of the mystery. That is part of the, um, that is part of the, um, that is part of the preparation that we have got to do. We got to, we got to be ready at every hour, every minute. So that when he comes suddenly, we're ready. And that is part of the test of true Christian. You're ready every moment, regardless when it is. You don't have to prepare yourself um, to, to say, oh, I knew he was coming now. So I made myself ready. No, the, the, the thing about Christianity, you are ready every minute of the day to go whenever the rapture comes. And that is the test of true Christian. You don't just know that, say, Ofsted is coming and you prepare yourself for Hofstede. You know, when as soon as Ofsted is gone, you're gone back to your bad teaching and whatever else, you know, but you don't know and you're ready all the time because you're a great and fantastic teacher. You know, you do your job every minute of the day, regardless of who is watching you. And that is what a true Christian is. You're ready for Christ every minute, every mo moment, you know, and it's not a pretense. It's not a, oh, you know, Putting on the camouflage, uh, putting on the, 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 the dressing up the makeup and putting on this, uh, putting on the nice suit or whatever, because because something special is happening. Something special is happening every moment because you don't know the hour nor the minute that he's coming, and so that's some of the mistake mistake we we, we make there. But um, going back to your point, brother brother Reese, you know, and 
And I think we make some real big blunders when we talk about the Holy Spirit, you know, as it, you cannot, you can't, if you, you, you cannot, the person, I'm going I'm I'm gonna be very bold and very, very forward um, in my conversation because I am convinced and I know what I'm talking about, you know, you, and I know that some of the way that we, we, we boil down and break down um, understanding and relationship and, uh, and, and personification of the Holy Spirit, I know it is, it is, it is, it is erroneous. You know, nobody can tell me that they know the Holy Spirit and they don't know Jesus Christ properly. That is just impossible. You cannot say, I have a great relationship with the Holy Spirit, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and you don't have an understanding with Jesus. That is total nonsense. And I tell you, it's because sometimes when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about him as if we are talking about some ancestral spirit, you know, um, some, 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 thing that we see out of the television or something we read out of a book, some spirit, 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 spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a spirit, spirit, spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. You know, the Holy Spirit is as Jesus is God, so the Holy Spirit is God. You know, so you, so, so um, you don't, but, but here's the thing. The Holy Spirit did not come into this world to reveal is himself to us. He came into the world to reveal the stumbling block. Because that is what stands between us and God, Jesus Christ. We must acknowledge and when God was with us in the beginning of time, we rejected him. We didn't treat him as God. So he came, he brought Jesus Christ back as a man, as he did to, to introduce, if you like, God in that sense. And how did he do it? And he did it so wonderfully. He did it so magnificently that there's no way anybody could say Jesus Christ is not the almighty God who created the heaven and the earth in, in six days. They could not say that the way that God manifested Jesus Christ is this. There is nothing. He, he, he brought people back from the dead. He controlled nature. He, um, he, he healed the blind. He healed the sick. And, and fundamentally, he took his own life and rose himself from the dead again. No, 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 there's, that is the convincing thing that he is not just a representative of God, he is God himself to do these things, you know. I, I, so that when Mary, when, when he said to Mary, um, you know, she said, if, if you were here, my brother would not die, you know. And Jesus said, you know, I said, do you believe he will live again? She said, yes, in the resurrection. But Jesus said, but, I am the resurrection, you know, I am the resurrection, you know, uh, and right now Lazarus can live because the resurrection is not an event as you think, it's a person and I am that person, I am that, I am God, you know, and so, so that's, that's a stumbling block, um, Brother Reese, but also, you know, go back to that Holy Spirit and people misconception of the Holy Spirit. And, and here's where the misconception comes in very strongly and very destructively. Every human being, myself included, we, we live in the world of feelings and feelings are intangible and feelings therefore can come over like a spirit. 
And so we have lots of feeling, mm -hmm. lots of things going on in our mind that we equate to the Holy Spirit. That is not the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so, yeah. so, so you have a feeling and you say, my spirit told me, you know, you, you know, you, uh, and those are the kind of thing what we sort of, a, so, so your reason, sometimes brother, brother Reese, brother, um, um, sometimes we reason with ourselves in our own head, in our own space, and we believe that it is the Holy Spirit we are reasoning with. You know, um, with, the, with the Holy Spirit, we're not here to reason with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here, is given not to reason with us, to lead us into truth, into revelation of what? Of Jesus Christ, of God, of Jesus Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit has come. His mission is not for us to explore and try to understand, if you like, we just need to know that we need to be in reverence and he's here as our paraclete, as is so often said, as the one who stands beside us, for what person? As our advocate who stands beside, to lead us into truth. And Jesus Christ is truth, we need to come to that truth. What is this truth? And the Holy Spirit is here to lead us, he's here to ward off evil from us, he's here to shelter us from evil, he's here to to convict the people that you and I have no power or no influence over, the Boris Johnson, the Donald Trump, the, 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 the whatever the, the, the leaders of the world are, you know, the Holy Spirit is here to, when they're asleep, to trouble them in their bedroom, the, 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 the magnets of industry who, who, who are corrupt and evil, you know, the, 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 gay, the gay people who, are, who want to rule the world, God, the Holy Spirit infiltrate, you know, those arena and he influences and he troubles and he disturb and he holds back forces that is how to destroy and to, and to hamper our godly progress. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. He's not here like at my, my band sheet to say, oh, I want the Holy Spirit to do this. No, no, no. He's, he is in charge. We are not in charge. The Holy Spirit is in charge. Yeah, so uh, that's me going on there and not read. <laughs> Amen. Let's see if you've got anything to add, Pramvir, or... I, I have actually just a little oh. bit. I know we haven't got much time. Feel free to, um, to just come in and bring us uh, in line if you need to read <laughs> with the time or whatever or the questions. Um, I think, you know, feeling, as I was going to say something about the feeling side as well. It's, it's people's perception of who God is maybe completely wrong because they don't understand the word of God. And I think they're not, I mean, lack of maturity, lack of understanding, you know, will bring us into these kinds of problems. And, and so much of what they see on television is misrepresented because Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will not speak much about himself. He won't speak of himself, but whatsoever he hears, that will he declare to you. And he says, he will glorify me and he, for he will take of mine and disclose it to you. So we still end up at the feet of Jesus. Yes. What people don't recognize is in this world, there has to be a hierarchy. You see how God doesn't cause confusion. He's not the author of confusion. You don't see the Holy Spirit and Jesus competing for attention. But neither do they sort of have the same, they, they sort of, there is an order in which they operate. You, you, don't, you notice that? I mean, mm. um, Jesus is completely subject to the spirit. It's completely subject to the son. It's completely subject to the father. The father, you know, they, they, the way they, uh, there's unity there. But we, 
don't have that unity here fully. Even though we, we are triune in nature, body, soul, and spirit, we don't fully understand what's going on. So we use these Greekish ideas, Greek philosophies, which separate the soul, body, and spirit, and try to look at things that can't be separated. Only the word of God can separate soul and spirit. If, you try, if we try and separate it, it leads to death. Mm. And that, that's the problem with uh, worship, trying to understand worship by splitting things from in that way. Why not just leave it the way God left it? There must be a reason why it's meant to be left disclosed, if you like, undisclosed. Because mm. I don't want to add any more to it just because it's... <laughs> um, it might be worth pushing that into its own separate discussion to envelope that further. But I mean, there's other things that um, Alfred touched on that um, while preparing for this, I thought might be no go zones just because it can take up the entire evening. So um, we touched on things like to do with it, like eschatology, to like end time stuff. Um, as much as I would love to at least just breeze over that just to be, it's probably not a good idea. But one of the questions <laughs> was written down was whether um, the with the end times are important. Uh, there might be one that we can say like do afterwards. Um, but I think it does require uh, us going into it a, a little deeper. Because um, like I agree, there is a lot of uh, emotional stuff that goes on uh, that doesn't necessarily, what's the best way to put it? It, it it don't reflect God at all, our Christ, our the Holy Spirit. It's us. It's us. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, us yeah. Superimposing our own minds and thought and, and calling it God, you know? No, no, yeah, no, I do agree. I do agree. Like, if you, if you observe certain things, it's just like, um, you read the scriptures, you get an understanding of God the Father. You certainly get an understanding of Jesus. And then when you said you go through the book of John, where Jesus is talking about that the talking about the Holy Spirit when he arrives and then the things he will do and the sort of nature he'll have yeah. so like building a pneumatology around that. It's like, okay, so the Holy Spirit's like this, but then we say these things are the, the things that, um, or like we, when we said we encountered the Holy Spirit, these sort of things happen. So, you know, um, I guess, yeah, if we didn't sort of like, depending on the sort of denominational church that you go to, it's, it's done in certain ways. So we can be like, um, so like rolling on the floor, the screaming and stuff like that. It's like, oh, okay. So they could go up and think they nothing of it. But then it's like, well, if Jesus says this and we see this, how did the two join up? Mm. So it begins to, yeah, you begin to go down a rabbit hole with that. Um, and interestingly, one of the questions that got written um, down here as part of the, the thing was, <laughs> who is the Holy Spirit? But I think we probably answered that question as well, to be fair, or that might be worth digging into a little further. Uh, to um, if you've got any other motions, we, oh, well, there's two here that you can choose from. Um, I'll let you decide which one you'd want to, to take a bite of. Uh, there is should Christians believe in evolution or can Christians be possessed by demons? Can I answer that one if that's all right? Yeah, yeah, very quickly. The, let's deal with the, the first one. Okay. 
and Christians, um, sorry, should Christians believe in evolution? Yes. I think I'll do it on both camera as well. Do Christians believe in evolution? Well, I teach evolution because oh, right. I'm a sign. Uh, I'm a teacher. I'm obliged to teach it. I don't believe it, mm. and I don't teach it in the way they teach. Yeah. So, should Christians? Well, no. How can you be a Christian and deny the Word of God? How can you deny the Book of Genesis? So, no matter what you, if you are born of God. You cannot deny God's word because God's word is the seed in you that gave you your faith. You're denying yourself. Now, if you, you may be fooling yourself and bringing yourself into bondage. That's the short answer. The other one, the word for casting out is ekbalo, which means to cast out. Yeah? It, mm -hmm. is it is not possible for the Holy Spirit and a demon to be in the same place in one body. No man can serve two masters. So I'm, I've, I'm convinced, and I'm 100% from scripture, that it is wrong. You cannot have Christians who claim to be Christians, born again, in whom the Holy Spirit of God is supposed to be residing, and a demon comes in. That just, does, that just flies in the face of scripture. And there's just so many scriptures you could actually just add to that. So for me, the answer is absolutely not. Christians cannot be possessed. If they are true born again believers, yeah, I, I would like to echo my 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 um, my stance on that as well, um, <clears throat> Reese, and that is I'd I'd go one hundred percent with um, Paramvir um, that you know um, a spring cannot bring forth bitter and sweet water at the same time, but it may do them independently, you know, um, and um, and so you can't have God and, and the devil living in the same temple. And we are temples, you know, somebody must vacate and somebody else coming and take position. And I think Jesus gave a good um, <clears throat> example of this when he talks about um, the evil spirit that goes out of the person and the house is left there all nice and clean. And, <clears throat> and the, the evil spirit, goes away now the house is there um clean but one thing i think has not happened to the house that is clean god has not been invited to take residence so the house is clean but it's empty mm. and um and so the house is empty the holy the, the, the evil spirit goes away and he knows now that he he, he comes back with force um, to take hold of, he brings seven spirits worse than himself to take the dwelling. But in taking dwelling, he didn't push out, let's say, the spirit of God that should have been there. He came to occupy a empty space that was there, a vacuum that should have been given to God. You know, and and I would say, you know, a lot of people. Um, who are very, very close to salvation. And we know people can be very close to salvation, but it's not there. Jesus made that very clear when he said to one of this, um, the Pharisees, he says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. The man's behavior, understanding, 
um, was leading him to that place. Jesus said, you are not far, but uh, be not far. You, you still have to jump over the hurdle to put you in that space. So here's the thing. <clears throat> um, yeah, you, you, you definitely cannot, um, scripturally, there's no scripture that anybody could find, I think, that would um, say that you know, a Christian can be possessed with, with, um, with an evil spirit. No, a backslider may be possessed with an evil spirit, but not when you have the Holy Spirit of God in you. You cannot be possessed with the old, with, with, with demons. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, you know, I, I, and here's the thing: at what point is a person does a person have the Holy Spirit in in them? And I would say it is not. It is not just when you start to speak in tongues. A person who is who ha, who who lives, practice a holy unblemished lifestyle with acknowledgement and reverence to the almighty God and his son, Jesus Christ, cannot be called unholy, you know? And, um, and, and for you to have those attributes, which are attributes of God, they do not come by works or they don't come by self-sacrifice um, um, or whatever. They come because the Holy Spirit has done a work in that space, in your heart, you know, you might not have been speaking in tongues or, or, or such like, but you show me somebody who is living righteously, holy uh, and godly life and somebody who claimed to be filled with the Holy Spirit, who swears and, and lies and steal and is hypocritical and do all the thing that is contrary. You disobey the word of God that tell you you must forgive. You disobey the word of God who tell you that you must not backbite and you must not do this and you must not, you must love your neighbor as yourself. And you don't do those things. And you claim to be filled with the Holy Spirit because you speak in tongues. I would say that people who speak in tongues and live wretched ungodly lives. I don't know where those tongues are from, but they ain't from God. And here's another thing, uh, Reese, um, that I have discovered in my short space of time on planet Earth and my watching and observing and listening that our emotions that we have can sometimes imitate and manifest themselves to us and to others who do not understand what it is to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Because if I started to do a thing like this now, brother, you probably would automatically say, Brother Alfred is under the influence of the Holy Spirit. You know, you do not know that at all. What kind of an emotion and psyche is probably I'm just thinking about them. I'm probably just thinking about the bad experience that I have with my children. And I'm, uh, uh, I'm, I'm in hyperdrive. Or I think a bad experience that I have with my wife. And, and, and you and I am giving my emotional reaction and expression to something that is going on in my mind, in my experience. And then you. We have a way that we associate tears, for one, with being sanctified. Why? Why? You know, 
I know that sometimes we do some things in church when we are witnessing to people, and I can understand why we do it, because we feel all gooey, 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 gooey. But salvation is not about feeling gooey. You know, I know that some of our sisters um, do these things. I've never seen no brother do it to tell the truth. So I say, sister, you take, take another sister um, uh, to, the, to, the, to, the, to the altar, and Nick, you put your arm around them, and you start to stroke their back, and you start to stroke their back, and you start to stroke their back. And, and, the, and of course, they get all overwhelmed and sentimental and emotional, and they start to cry, and they start to cry, you know, because you make them, you soften their spirit by your nice, calm, um, and tactile um, um, touches are very fundamental. The touch can do things to you, and that's what you've done. You're, you, you fill them with touch, but you say they are sanctified. And I tell you, sometimes some of the things that we label as, as people being sanctified, you know, is far from it. Let's, sanctification is in proof of behavior, not in proof of tears. How will you behave differently? How will you think differently? How will you act differently? Those are more the test of sanctification than tears flowing down the eyes. I'm not saying tears don't have a, a real and genuine um, expression of something that's going on. However, I'm saying it is not the test. The test is the lifestyle, the living, you know, what is going on in the heart. That is a test of sanctification. Yeah. And not even so much me speaking in tongues is a test of sanctification. I think my life. Because, you know, my life, my life, life. Thank you. Tim, Pramvi, you've got anything to add to that before? Um, no, I'm happy. You know, I think uh, Pastor Arthur's done a good job on that, so. Okay. Because uh, one question I did write down while you were talking, Alfred, was, um, I guess it's just more for clarification. Because I understand it to be one way, but um, I do understand that there um, is another realm of thought with this but whether sanctification is an event or a journey, because I'm of the stance that sanctification is a journey. Um, that's something that happens over the, the period of, obviously that like we are declared righteous in um, God's sight because of what Christ has done for us. So his righteousness is accredited to us. Um, and that's why like um, through his sacrifice, our, our payment has been made for the sins we've committed so we're considered clean in his sight with that. But in terms of the, um, the dropping off of things, like you said, that you'll notice that with the, um, the, the growing in that knowledge and the power of grace. So the things that you used to do, you don't do anymore. You have a, a hunger and a yearning to do things that are, are pleasing to God and you, you shun evil. You don't go to the places that... Um, displease God or you don't do the things that displease God you're always looking to have um, um, to do things that um, give him the most glory yeah. in your life yeah. but I guess yeah it's a case where because um, I could looking at certain forms this week um, from church on certain things they again get this air of oh when were you sanctified so for, like from my from my point of view so well it's a lifelong protest, process, so you can't pin it down to a specific date that, oh, I was sanctified on this day, but I guess it's a loaded question. It's like, well, they would have yeah. Yeah, um, identifications as to what that sanctification might be, but I just want to find out what your, what side of the fence you stand on that. Can I just say, you, 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 uh, you, 
You use a Freudian slip there that I think was so appropriate. You said sanctification is a pro is a pro protest. <laughs> yeah. And trust me, trust me. And you know, and somebody listening or watching may, may challenge, but if you understand my analogy and not just, you know, it's not, it's very, it's very um, circular. Um, so you said, and it was a slip that you make, you corrected yourself, but, um, but there's some, there's some sense and wisdom in it. And there's some truth in it and a lot of truth in it. You said sanctification is a protest. I would say it is a protest. It's a protest against sin. It's a protest against evil. It's making a stand against the things that are in opposition to God. It is a protest as well. It's a protest for God against wickedness, against injustice, against all the things. It's a godly protest. In other words, it's standing on the side that God stands. And if a man can do that, and you tell me that that man is not sanctified, well, I, 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 there's a question there, who is sanctified? You know, so I just, I just thought I'd make that, that point there, there Brother Reese. You know, but um, but um, I, I would say though, sanctification as you're, is, 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 two, is, is, is more than one thing. Sanctification is indeed a process, but it's not only a process. It is also an in, something that happened instantaneously. But it is, it is, you're right. Sanctification is a process, but it's not only a process. It's more than one thing. So, um, so, so for example, the fact that Jesus Christ um, blessed us, the fact that Jesus, the, the fact that we have been separated from the world to Jesus Christ, we're sanctified because that's what sanctification is to be separated for special purpose. So, so if, if, you, if you and I used our body for a multitude of, of um, purposes before, we were, before we, were, we, were, we were saved, and then we now stop using, stop, um, using our bodies for those purposes and, 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 in, and dedicate our bodies and our time for another godly purpose, we are, your time, you're sanctified, you're separated from those things, you know, so, so, so that is, that is, um, that is what sanctification is as well, but there's also a, another sanctification, another kind of a, another aspect, let me use rather kind, another aspect to it, so it's deep, it involves separation. So if you separate yourself from ungodly things, you've sanctified yourself from them. If you separate yourself to do godly deeds, you are sanctified to those godly deeds. You know, so, um, so I'll give you an example. Um, and, 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 and this is one of the things that we must never do, because if we do this to our own detriment, if we neglect the narrative of the whole testament, we do ourselves a disservice because we cannot understand at nobody that may be very bold. I love to be being bold, you know, especially when I know that I'm on safe ground. We, nobody can understand properly the New Testament or even Jesus Christ and don't understand 
what's going on in the Old Testament. You cannot, you cannot understand God and deny that God is the one who created the world in seven days and things like that. You cannot understand God because you don't know who he is. If you don't know that, if you don't know, if you don't know, if you don't believe those things, you cannot really know God. You know, so you can't know him properly. You can't deny his work and claim to know him. Yeah. You can't deny his salvation and claim to know him. You can't deny him bringing Jesus Christ into the world through the Virgin Mary and claim to know him. Because you don't, you don't, you don't understand God. You can't, you can't, you can't claim to know God if you do not know that God forgave the apostle Paul, Saul, as he was called, for murder and atrocity and things like that. You cannot know God if you don't know that he forgives. And and you, you know, you, you, you see, you cannot know God if you think that you can appease him by giving lots of offering or coming to church every day and being on time. And you think that that is sufficient to appease God, you know, because those are like burnt offering. God, God is not going to cast those burnt offering away, but that's not what he takes delight in. He takes delight in, in the heart, in our condition of our heart. So sanctification, going back now, the Old Testament. Now, the, Moses would tell the people, sanctify yourself. So there you have it. There is sanctification is, is also something that we can play a part in that process ourselves. So we can sanctify ourselves by separating ourselves from objects and things and activities that are ungodly, and we can dedicate ourselves to godly things. It's a little bit like the Nazarite, the, um, the, what we call them, um, the Nazarites. Nazarites. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, were, they sanctify themselves from certain activities to serve God. Yeah, you know, so... Um, so yes, yeah, so, but then the, you have the other aspect of sanctification where God, the word of God sanctifies us. You know, by us um, living in the word of God, we are sanctified. By us um, following in the footstep of Jesus Christ, we are sanctified by the blood of Jesus, by the life of Jesus, by the, by the, by the work of Jesus Christ, we are sanctified. So sanctification, and you're right. We, we are daily growing in sanctification. In other words, we are daily learning to trust him more and more and yield, yielding our ways to his ways. That is sanctification as well. We are giving over to God. You know, we are becoming like him and that sanctification is, in, is, in, is, in, is, in, is increasing in us. So it is, a, it is a journey, you say, but it's not just a journey. There's something that overarch sanctification as well yeah yeah no that's cool that's cool um i am going to avoid the uh uh the speaking in tongues thing because i know that we're gonna we're gonna debate that one in the new year and i think that will probably take up uh, the next few weeks if we were to start that now so we'll avoid that <laughs> um can i just add just a little bit to yeah go on yeah sure, sanctification sure. Bit. i think the problem with sanctification is how people view it, yeah? Hmm. And really, it's the sinless part that causes issue. So if you're sanctified, you're sinless. That's, that's what causes a problem. And when you interpret scripture in those kind of lights, we run into a lot of problems, yeah? Because if, my, if in this body, sin still is there, yeah? But 
so if I'm sanctified, does that mean that sin is no longer in my flesh? It's not in my body anymore, that my body is sanctified as well? So it causes problems when you think of it like that. So really, it's I die to sin. If you, you know, there's two things. You can have like a, a slave and a master relationship, yeah? But when the slave is dead, the master no longer has influence, yeah? It's not just the master has to be dead. The slave can also die. And I don't mean to use these kind of, it's the best one I can find. It's a marriage relationship Paul uses. But there's a slave-master relationship because sin really does enslave us. So if you have died to something, that means it doesn't have any influence over you. So yes, you are sanctified because it can't control you. The problem is it can be revived. That's what Paul is saying, that it can be revived again. Your ability to resist sin and surrendering to God's Holy Spirit by grace is the sanctification. So as you start to surrender yourself to the Holy Spirit and not to the flesh, that's the process of your sanctification. Now, does that mean that you're not free from sin? Well, you are free from sin because you've died with Christ. You're sanctified in that sense, yeah? You were baptized with him in his death. The problem is our mind. The mind hasn't fully grasped what's going on. The battle is in the mind. So it's in your minds where temptation and in your flesh, it'll come through the mind, through the senses, and to try to revive that sinful nature. Can I live a sinless life? Of course I can, as long as I'm sanctified, as long as I'm yielded to the Holy Spirit. Can I slip up? Absolutely. Do I slip up? Yes. Many times, yeah? But is there a way out? Yes. Back to grace, back to the Spirit, back to the Lord, on my knees. Lord, please help me. But if I'm doing the very th things I was a slave to, let's say I was addicted to something and I was influenced by something, drinking or something, I don't know, in the, you know, some of the, those things should be dying. They should be dying. Sometimes they die instantly. People used to smoke or whatever or did something, drugs, and it's just gone. Other things, they stay with you for a while for some reason. And I read something today, very interesting, which I never paid attention to. I think it's in Colossians or Ephesians 5, where Paul says that we should not have our minds on the affections of the flesh or the lusts. I never saw that word affections before in any kind of light until today. So we know that we shouldn't be lusting. But there's another aspect, affection. See how subtle the flesh is. It can bring in th things back into your life, into the flesh, through subtle affections for things. Subtle things that we used to do before we knew the Lord. Or so subtle things of the flesh that we engaged in somehow try to find way back into our minds, into our sight, into our flesh to revive that old nature. But that old nature is, can be completely crucified. I can live sinless lives as long as I'm walking in the spirit. That's why Paul says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. You know, no, I agree. No, I agree. Because I, I heard something a few weeks back that kind of stuck with me because it kind of cleared up where my head was. Um, it was something to do with... Um, in the Western world, we see things in a dichotomy, so it's either or, but in uh, Eastern culture, it's both and. So um, with 
this in mind, it was a case of when um, it was being discussed whether we were a saint or a sinner. It's like in our in yeah in our, in our dichotomy, it's either we're one or the other. But then understanding um, again, going back to the cross, how like Jesus being our um, once and for all sacrifice has paid for all of our sins and his righteousness is accredited to us. It's a both answer. So I'm still a sinner, but it's through his righteousness that um, our, that relationship with God can be restored. So when I do die and I stand in the throne room, not in the, um, yeah, in the throne room, um, with my judgment, he doesn't see me, he sees Christ. And it's only through his love that that sort of thing um, is able to, to happen. So it kind of goes back to the, um, um, yeah, the salvation by work sort of thing is that, oh, um, do I, can I do all these things to sort of like, please God, I don't know, because my righteousness is like filthy rags, but it's through, through grace, the fact that Jesus and Jesus was sent on behalf of the father to, to set that record straight on my behalf. So then that relationship that I could not restore on my own could be done through him. And then understanding that, um, at the sort of like the doctrine of justification. So as much as the Holy Spirit is encouraging me to certainly pursue that sort of, um, sinless life, when I do fall, uh, the hope that I have is that, okay, I've slipped up now. And it's not a case where Jesus runs to the father and says, oh, you know, Reese has slipped up. Um, as yeah, it's an analogy that Tim Killer used that, um, oh, you know, um, Reese has slipped up, but you know, don't, um, don't, don't punish him. You know, he's trying his best. He's trying his best. That's what he thought. He said he, he, he grew up thinking, but then when he began to get into the scriptures, he got to the, um, got to this point where he realized that, um, when, when he does slip up, it's like, oh, you know what? Yeah, um, you know, Reese has slipped up. You know, he's done this bad thing. I know we said sorry about it before and he's done it again, but it is unjust for you to take a payment for something that I've already paid for. Look at my hands, look at my feet. It's done once already. And it's once I've got my head around that, it's like yeah. the grace of God suddenly is a whole lot more sweeter now than it was before. And it, it's not a case of sort of like, oh, you know, it gives me a license to sin because obviously that's a like a major sort of like salvation issue. Then it's like, well, um, clearly you, you don't understand what the cross means and the power behind it and what the Holy Spirit does. But it did then begin to kind of understand that, oh, you know, I am a sinner. There's nothing I can do to change that. But Jesus has done all of that for me. So, yeah, when I do get to that sort of stage that, um, that sort of thing sort of carries weight, but. Can, can I just add a little bit there? Because um, mm -hmm. there's a lot that you've said there that <clears throat> needs a little bit of a, um, I'm going to use your word, unpacking, yeah? Okay. Because <clears throat> um, I hear you, um, what you're saying, um, but, it, but it needs to be, what you're saying needs to be, explained uh, I'll say not generically but finitely so that um, people don't misunderstand what you're actually saying because what I would say I would say even though 
I will confess before anybody and say, I am a sinner. In the sense like um, um, one of the prophets said, I am a worm and no man. I can't remember which one of Isaiah, Jeremiah, um, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. One of them said, it, I am a worm and no man. Now, he's a man. He's not a worm. But he, but he sees himself, it's just like somebody would say, you know, I am a gra I'm grass, I'm, I'm nothing, I'm grass. Well, you are, you are something because God made you something. And, but you have a perception, an understanding that you are not more than what you um, you're not, you're, 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 not, you're not exalted, basically. You see yourself, I am nothing. Like David would say, my, my, my age is like an and breath. Okay, somebody put it there, I'm a worm, not a man. That is Psalm, Psalm 26, yeah? Thank you. You know, so, 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 but he's not a worm. But he is humble to see himself, not as anything of repute, of reputation. You know, and that's the analogy he says, I'm a worm and no man. I am base and no man, you know. Um, and I bet you, um, Isaiah was not a man of unclean lips. But he said, I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. Now, was he unclean? I think Isaiah was a true godly prophet, but he acknowledged that he said, I am not, I'm not so exaltedly righteous i oh when i stand before god i see just how wretched i really have i see get a good reflection of the true me and not the beautiful me you know um so isaiah so isaiah is he's 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 existing and he's communicating his thinking on the spiritual level to say even though i am a king i am a servant you know, even though I am a prophet, I am still in the sight of God, I am still nothing. So the point I'm trying to make here, Brother Reese, is that um, there is a little bit of a danger. If I, if I say, okay, I stand, God, um, look at me in heaven. And I'm going to say, I do not believe that in heaven, um, that God is really, God really needs to look at um look at us and then look at Jesus and say, um, you know, um, because of Jesus. You, you see, this is the beautiful thing about it, Reese. Jesus has done something, some transformation in us that literally, not just figuratively, not just um, like um, in the same way as the... Um, the sacrificing of the, 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 the bulls and the goats and the cows and whatever. Now, those were the scenario where I think we could say, well, God, look at me. And he, and he, and he said, well, and he look at the bulls and whatever. say, well, because of that, I can, I, can, I can deal with you because I've made that provision there. But what I'm trying to say here in a sort of a long-winded and clumsy way is that Jesus did something in us through his salvation and what he went through that literally literally made us acceptable 
in the sight of God. And God does not really have to look at Jesus and say, because of Jesus, I can look at you. No, Jesus has done a work in us that makes us acceptable sacrifice before God. That's what I'm really try, trying to say. But, but you are right, Reese, is that say, and this is the importance of Jesus. Without Jesus, what you have become was impossible. Hmm. It was totally impossible. So yes, the gratitude. So, so that's why you in heaven, you will fall at the feet of Jesus and, and, and bless him and thank him and say, you alone are worthy, you know, to be crowned and to be glorified because you have saved me from my sin. You have made me acceptable to my God. You know, you have made me, you've converted the wretched sinner that I am and was, you know, to be acceptable to the father of light and righteousness. So Jesus has done a work that has shifted us from one dimension to another dimension. So we become like him, you know, so, so that, that, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. And so the reason why I labored it like that, brother Reese, is because I know that some of our people, um, you, I know you're not, because I hear, I hear your explanation here and I've heard it before. But some of our folks who are not thinking um, 622 deep, like you are definitely are thinking at that level. And, you know, some of our people um, are not thinking like you. They're looking for excuse to mitigate ownership and responsibility for living righteous and using Jesus as a sort of a banner, as if to say, because of Jesus, I am covered. Well, yes, because of Jesus, you are covered, but not in spite of your behavior, as you rightly said. You know, so, so, we, so we need to be very careful. Let's say, even though you have Jesus, you gotta live like Jesus. You gotta think like Jesus, you know, until we all come unto the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ unto a perfect man. That's the journey of sanctification also. To, to move up into maturity in the Lord Jesus Christ. So some people will want to use the, the wonderful um, 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 sacrifice of Jesus as an excuse for not doing what they should do and what they must do if they're going to get through, forgive the cliche, the pearly gates. Mm. No, no, I, I do agree. I do agree. And I'm glad that the, like, people like Paul have sort of like emphasized like, the people who th had that same sort of mindset existed in his day as well. So it's just like, you know what, do we, do we sin um, knowing that grace abounds? No, God forbid. <laughs> That's yeah. That sort of thing is already kind of there. But um, I do think it's, I think it's a little sad that to be fair, I think I need to have more conversations with people, but I don't think they really have a full grasp of salvation and like, there's this thing of, um, which we've touched on before, like earlier in the year, the thing of like spiritual gifts and um, uh, the fruits of the spirit. Like Jesus makes it very clear that unless you're connected to the vine, those fruits aren't going to be, um, aren't going to be um, born or bared. Yeah. But yeah. then, um, and that's like the identif uh, identifier for him, you know, the, um, he says to the disciples that um, they will know that you are mine, paraphrasing, because um, 
of your love, which is one of the, the fruits. And Paul also stresses it in, in Corinthians, you know, as, oh, you know, desire the greater gifts, but the, of all things, pursue love, which is the fruit. And obviously we look for the spiritual gifts, which is an external thing um, that's bestowed on us through the Holy Spirit for his purpose. And we kind of use that as a, well, look at me, look at me. I'm doing these things so clearly. Um, Jesus has got me so well. Um, I've not mentioned it with you guys, but it has been mentioned a few times um, in previous episodes of the podcast is that, well, if we're using the spiritual gifts as a um, as a, a tick box exercise to confirm that, you know, you're walking in the Holy Spirit, how do we explain Judas? Yeah. Because he was given authority to do wonders of things, you know. Um, he was casting out demons, healing the sick and all that sort of stuff, but we all know that. Um, well, Jesus mentions when he's not um, when he's washing their feet, is that all of you may have been made clean except for one of you. Yeah. And then going back to the thing of um, can Christians be possessed with the Holy Spirit? You don't see any of the disciples get possessed at all, but one <laughs> who Jesus said was unclean. So yeah. it's the that sort of thing yeah. that um, I think kind yeah. of needs breaking down when in terms of like the salvation stuff. Like yeah. Jesus clearly focuses on stuff, but then we obviously look for others, but. And, and Reese, um, another thing that's bringing to my mind as you were um, giving your exposition there, you know, because this is one of the, the thing that we, because some of the problem that we encounter in our Christian understanding and inevitably the way that we respond to God, we respond to things um, of God is sometimes because of the way um, it's been introduced to us. And I'm going to explain it like this. I think, and sometimes I begin by saying I think, but then I go on to say I know. Drawing my reference from the scripture that we make, we make a big mistake when it comes to declaring people we, we make we make salvation too easy when we talk to people we make salvation sound too easy we tell them that say all you have to do is confess the lord jesus christ or with your mouth and you are saved you know but we don't explain to them what is this confession what what are you talking about is it just I believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. I've just confessed him. But is that what the Apostle Paul and, and the word of God is talking about? I doubt it very much because even the devil could feign such a word, but he couldn't mean it. You know, so to confess, to confess, confession, confession is to give up. I confess, but apparently I was wrong. I've given up, I've yielded to Brother Paramvir, and I've said I was wrong for whatever it was. I've given up, I've submitted. Confession is giving up to Jesus Christ. I am a sinner, that's a confession. I was born in sin and shaped in iniquity, that's a confession, you know? And, and, and I'm confessing that because I know it's the reality of my existence. I know it's the reality that makes me wretched and makes me, um, whatever I am that is not good in the sight of God. I'm confessing I am nothing. And that's what this, this 
prophet David was saying, I am a worm and no man. That's a confession. You know, I don't see myself as being, as being, being high and lifted up. I am nothing. That's a confession. So when we talk about confessing Jesus Christ, it's not just talking with your mouth. It's yielding, it's submitting, it's giving up to Jesus Christ. It's letting his will now reign in you. It's saying, I give him to you. That's confession. You know, but we make salvation sound too easy. And that's why we got a lot of people who have given those confessions and they're not saved. They're still in sin. And that is where some of our problem is because we count numbers. And you were talking before, Reese, that um, you know, the, the, the report or whatever said, well, when were you sanctified? I, I can't remember the exact phrase you used. When, when were you sanctified? You know, um, you know, as if it's a standstill thing. You know, you know, you know, it, it's not a standstill thing, as Brother Purvis said. It's a daily walk with God. You know, it's a daily journey and it's, it's, it's an ongoing crucifying of self. It's an ongoing denying of self. It's an ongoing beating body into submission, making it slave onto your, onto the spiritual side of you. You know, so, um, so yeah, I think we make salvation because we, we're, you know, and the reason for that, it's easy. We want report we want numbers to report to head office or whatever else that five people say 15 baptized and whatever else so we force and we force we eager 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 to get these things i would personally say let people grow and then understand and then baptize them when they understand and don't force ripe the fruit because you won't have any fruit, you won't have any good fruit. You know, and so probably some of, probably the way we do things and the way we've done things, probably that's the reason why people are in the, in the front door and out the back door too quickly, because the work, as not, the work that, and some people say, God do the work. Well, if God do the work, and that's where it stopped, God don't need me, God don't need you, God will do all the work, but God, chooses to use us to play a part in helping people to grow. So how does he do it? He bestows upon the Apostle Paul a certain amount of grace and mercy and revelation so that he can impart. Because God is not going to impart to every, everyone that comes to him that level of understanding and revelation in one. You're going to, whosoever listen to a prophet in the name of a prophet, he will get his reward. Whoever listened to a righteous man in the name of a righteous man, he'll get his reward. People got to learn to listen to somebody to whom God has chosen and taken pleasure to give a little wisdom, a little revelation, and you need to learn to listen. We need to learn to listen to those people whom God has so graciously blessed in different and varying ways, you know? And so, so yeah, we make salvation sound too easy. And it's easy if you make Jesus the reason why it's easy for us in comparison to what we would have to do by ourselves, which would be impossible to gain salvation. So Jesus said, with man it is impossible, with God it's not just possible, 
It's more than possible with God. You know, so with us, it is impossible. With Jesus Christ, the almighty God, it is more than possible. That's why we are, we're not just conquerors. We are more than conquerors in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you very much, sir. Yeah, thank you as well. I don't know if Pramvi, you've got anything you want to say or ooh, I see that Rob is. Just, just wanted to add a little bit really on, um, you know, being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. So some of the opinions we've expressed, some of our views are the two different extremes of some, uh, you know, some doctrines, for example, you know, um, once saved, always saved. Is it sinless perfection? You know, um, can you lose salvation? All of these things, yeah. But ultimately, they're coming from scripture, maybe a misunderstanding of scripture. And what people have done is they'll go from one extreme to the other. I, I, I'll try this view out. I'll try. They're not quite sure. So is the scripture telling us to ration things out, rationalize things and say, well, now you understand. Now you've matured. No. What's supposed to be happening is you come to Christ. You come to the spirit. You, you, you come before him and you say, Lord. This is what I think I understand. This is my understanding of the word of God. Yeah. Please help me bring everything you have doubts about to his feet. Look in the book of Hebrews. He says, come to him. Um, he's, we have a high priest who cannot be, who cannot be touched with the feeling. Um, we don't have a high priest who can't be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, difficulties, sicknesses, weaknesses. But we have Jesus, yeah? So let us come boldly in the time of need for what? For grace. This is the other assumption that grace is just given and we don't have to do anything. Actually, the grace is there even to live a sinless life, a sanctified life, but we have to come to the priest, to the high priest, to Jesus. That's the whole point of Hebrews. What uh, I believe is Paul who wrote it. There's another controversial one for you. I believe Paul wrote Hebrews, and I can prove it from Scripture. That's my own opinion. You know, I talked about Paul's own signature that he wrote at the, in every letter. That same signature is at the back of the book of Hebrews. Grace be with you all and in the original it would have been quite a maybe by his own hand written so salutation isn't always the beginning of the letter it can be at the end mm -hmm. this is our misunderstandings but anyway um there is an answer to all of our problems in the word of god if we come to him by faith Surrendering and saying, Lord, I don't understand this. Lord, I need to go on this. Lord, I've sinned here. Please help me. Lord, I'm angry about this. Lord, I'm really petrified with what's going on. I don't know what the future is. I'm tired of this COVID. I, I want to move my life on. Will we ever go back to being normal? You know what? I was thinking these kind of thoughts and the same scripture came to me and God was, I'm not going to say saying, but in my spirit, I felt he said, you're free. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We will not fear what they fear. You get my meaning? Mm -hmm. This isn't a time for Christians to be quiet. This is a time for Christians to raise their voices. I wanted to make a point last time, and I keep forgetting. <laughs> the walls of Jericho are crumbling down. God has already brought them down. So what's our role? We should be out there preaching. We weren't, we weren't supposed to bring the walls down. God was. Now he's the, I prayed that God would break these structures many years ago. 
because they stood in the way of the preaching of the gospel. You have a nice NHS, you know, everything is all there. People from the world are flocking here, not as pilgrims, but fleeing from persecution, yeah? Fleeing from all kinds of situations, almost putting themselves at death's door, you know, taking these risks because God is bringing them. Forget the politics, forget all that. God is bringing the people here. And we're just sitting there thinking, oh, look at those people. They're residing in these hotels, you know, taking our, food, our jobs and all this and that. How foolish. Doesn't matter. They're here. We've got the, we can preach to them. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. if we get to our, on our knees and ask God for his divine plan, you will see that God is orchestrating all this. Yes. You don't need yeah. to worry about MPs and COVID and all that. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Those are just destruction, destruction. Yeah, those are like the um, the wizard of the wizard of Oz, you know, um, hiding behind the um, the screen and bellowing through the um, load ale of frightening people to make them believe believe he's bigger than he really is. And you're, you know, God is big, and everything else is small. COVID doesn't exist. Understand what I'm saying now? I'm talking relative to God. Yeah. You know, uh, it's not an obstacle in God's sight. We have made obstacles of things that God doesn't make obstacles, you know. And um, I think, um, you know, you know, I, I and one of the things that um, I think is good for us as Christian to help us to develop a perception of what people are saying is important and what people's view, for example, of the church um, and our role in all that's going on. And a lot of people will think that the church has fallen asleep, you know? And we would say, well, we haven't really, we're doing this, we're doing that. Well, you know what? In times of war and confusion, that is where people have an opportunity to become heroes. That is in, in darkness is where light has the opportunity to shine. And we are in gross darkness and we ought to use those opportunities to shine, you know? And uh, I think we are not using um, and making full proof of this, the, the um, circumstances and the opportunities that have presented themselves before us. So. Um, yeah. Thank you for that. Um, I know that this session, I did put it down for 10 o'clock, so I don't know if anybody has any questions they want to uh, to drop in the chat or to mention over the mics as we wind down. And if not, I don't know if, you know, whether you, Alfred or Pamela, have anything that you might want to drop in as a question to help us wind down, or I can find one more on here that, well. I have a question. I mean, yeah, go on, go on. Should we pray for Bryce Johnson now, you know, that he's in difficulty, yeah? Should we be praying for him regardless or should we not pray for him ever? <laughs> um, and when I gave that question, you know, that you must have a biblical justification for your answer. Otherwise I wouldn't accept it and neither would you. <laughs> So I guess that leaves. I, 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 
Emily or Pastor Williams? Yeah, I, I think I think we ought to pray for him because um, <laughs> he, he would fall in the brother Robert. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we ought to pray for him. Yeah, um, why? Because he is um, he's the leader of, of this country at the moment, and and um, the scripture does say that we should pray for. For, 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 the, for, the, for kings and, and, and rulers and whoever else. And, but here's the thing. Why are we praying for him? We're praying for him. This might sound selfish, but this is what the word of God says. That we may live a quiet and peaceable life. And that's what the scripture says. Pray for those people. You know, that we may live. First uh, Timothy 2, verse four, 1 to 14. If somebody could read that, that would be very great. First Timothy 2, 1 to verse 4. You know, because I've got the scripture here if you want, if you want it. Please, yeah. Yeah, it says uh, this is the NET. First of all, then I urge that requests, prayers, intercessions, and thanks be offered on behalf of all people, even for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Such prayer for all is good and welcome before God our Saviour, since he wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Thank you, Emily. So really, I, I don't have to say anything more than that, for the, the, the word of God answers that very clearly. Well, the Robert, you, you're back on. Did you have a point to make? I feel like you've got a point. Yeah. Now's your chance. Yeah, I think it would, it, it's just in line to it's just in line with what um, Pastor Alfred was saying. Yeah, obviously, um, as Christians, we've got that obligation to do that because they are in power. But see, what we need to understand as well is that when leaders are doing certain things, sometimes it's not because they want to do it. If you look in the Old Testament, Bible made us understand that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. So sometimes here yeah, you've got some leaders and you've got problems. What we need to understand as Christians, we always think that, oh, God does this, God does this. But what we also need to understand, God punishes people who decides to go against him. So we always have to try and then find ourselves on the right path. And so when you find in the Old Testament when the people of Israel, God knew what he was going to do. He knew exactly what he was going to do. So sometimes in terms with the question you asked with Boris Johnson, should we pray for him? We shouldn't pray for him because he's doing this, he's doing that. We've been asked to pray for him. So we've got to do it. As to whether he would listen to biblical or spiritual advice and then go on that tangent, that we don't have control over. But then once you have done what the Bible have asked you to do, you are fine. Whatever decision he makes or is trying to make or he brings on board, all we know is that this world is not our home. We are just passing through. Whatever God would do to protect his people he would do it. And when it is our time for you to leave this sinful world, you would go. 
to pray for our leaders and uh, people in authority, God put them there for a reason. You have people asking questions whether, oh, it was it the will of God for Boris Johnson to be there? Certain questions you go into. If it wasn't the will of God for that to happen, he wouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. Whether we like it or not, he is there. So it means God is aware that Boris Johnson is there. So we now have to then go back and then pray according to what Bible says, pray for those in authority. And then we go according to that. So Alfred, you've got your hand up. Yeah. Um, so so uh, uh, supporting Robert as well, um, but just bringing in a, a, another aspect to it as well is that um, because of, we think sometimes that when, know God in ways, in ways that we don't know him. So God, God brings, and I'm, God brings evil. God brings evil and God brings good. Yeah. And we don't like to equate what we call evil with God, but what God calls evil is not to be interpreted in the same way as as, as evil, it he brings a famine upon the land that is called evil. He brings um, flood upon the land. He calls that evil. I bring good and I bring evil upon you. And why does and and God will also raise up Boris Johnson might not be and, and forgive me Boris Johnson is I'm just using him his name because because he's the prime minister but it's not necessarily him because he's no he's no more wicked than, than, than a lot of other people around but um but people a nation can also um be deserving of a leader a tyrant a tyrant sometimes god want to um um teach a people a lesson. So he raises up a bad leader for them. You know, I would suggest that um, Pharaoh, God wanted not just to teach Pharaoh a lesson, he wanted to teach the people of Egypt a lesson because they were all, it wasn't just Pharaoh that was culturally idolatrous and, uh, 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 and, and wicked and evil. The, 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 the whole culture and custom and practices of the Egyptians were that way. So it was the whole people. And God raised up this arrogant uh, um, leader that he would use through him to humble and to bring into subjection and to confront the whole Egyptian nation. And not only the Egyptian nation, but because the Egyptian nation was worldwide known. So when the world see how God has hammered and beaten and punished them, the world would also take notice as well. And that, so, so what happened to Egypt wasn't just for Egypt, it was for the whole world, you know, because Egypt wasn't just like a little remote place in the corner of the Sahara Desert. It was a well-known established mega kingdom that had influence over the whole world to, to traffic evil and to traffic spice and all those things as well, but evil as well, you know? And I think it's the same thing like, you know, America, um, Russia, um, England, 
Um, other countries that I, I, I can't even name, but we could name if we sat down and began to decipher things out. Who yeah, yeah, China, out. North Korea, yeah. China, North Korea, they, 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 they uh, China, thank you. They hold people back from God. And so God, for God, some, and, and countries in Africa too, some countries in Africa, for God to, to have his divine way, he must break, the Bible called it, the staff of bread, whatever we conceive the staff of bread to be. You know, sometimes God, we think that war just come up from the devil. So, well, God, is God sleeping or is God in charge of this thing? I would say God is in charge of this thing and he's, he is got a place that is leading the whole world to. But before the world reaches to that place, it has to go through certain countries if i use the word countries i just don't mean countries i mean certain situations certain condition whatever god is leading them through those places to muster them to the place that he wants listen god wants to teach the nation lesson and god wants to humble the whole listen there is not a nation on the face of this earth not even israel that God does not want to humble and to bring into subjection and submission to his righteous will and purpose. There's no, even the church, God wants to humble and bring us into subjection to acknowledge his righteous will. Because we still have some, because even the church have man-made intention, man-made desire, man-made will, man-made purpose, and God must be supreme and he will be supreme. You know, and so the Holy Spirit, as we talk about the wonderful work of the Holy Spirit, he is the one that is orchestrating and mustering and leading. The Bible says he reproved the world of sin and righteousness. That's it, what he's doing. And what does it mean, reprove? It means deal with them. So, you see, we think that this coronavirus is, you know, what we need to pray for is that when the coronavirus comes, we know how to respond and we know how to behave and we know how to live. And even if it was to knock us out of this world, that don't mean that so we're wicked. It don't mean that so we're ungodly, you know? But there's a time, sometimes, sometimes when you're in the wrong place and when, you know, listen, if, if you're in the wrong place when fire and brimstone falling, it will fall on you. But that don't mean that say you're condemned to hell. It means that you're in the wrong place, you know? And sometimes we don't listen to God and, and move into the place where we should move. And we do get, we do suffer loss as well, you know? So we need to be very wise and discerning. Listen, if a man is in the wrong place and you're righteous, if you, like Lot, if you're in Sodom and Gomorrah and you're righteous and Sodom and Gomorrah get burned up and you lose all your land and property, that loss does not make you unrighteous. How is your heart? How is your soul? How is your thoughts towards God? That's what deem and determine whether you're righteous. You know, we can lose all the material things, but so long, but in our patient, Jesus said, possess what? Not your right, not your wealth, possess your soul. You know, so, um, so, so God is working and that's true, brother Robert. God is in charge of the coronavirus. He's, I'm gonna say he unleashed it. For his purpose to humble to break to show up foolishness madness weakness wretchedness 
he brought evil to show up things that need showing up thank you no thank you for that um i was just going to add on the end like it's like you're very much pouring into the the well of the sovereignty of god that he he allows all things to happen regardless of how he view it, whether it was good or it was bad um as a part of his permissive will which navigates to his end goal so it doesn't matter as how bad or how good it gets as from our perception as we walk through it the end goal is set in stone so we're literally just journeying with with god as we go through it and i guess yeah it's when you're in christ you have a comfort that he's he's got the end goal he wins at the end doesn't matter how bad things go between here and that point at the end we can put our trust in he's at the wheel and he's going to navigate us through and we obviously try to encourage those who don't believe to to get on board um for the same reason all things work together mm. all things all things all, not some all things god always has a way to bring you out all things work together once we get this looking onto jesus as the altar and the finisher of our faith that is all we've got to do and we are fine we leave the rest into the hands of god that's all we can do but i i i also think for me i do pray for my leaders you know i pray for my bosses i pray for my government because they're people too yeah so they they affect our lives so whether my boss is good or bad affects how I enjoy my work or not. And whether our government is good or bad affects my life. So yes, you pray because you want your life to be good. But also one thing that came to mind when it was, um, should we pray for Barrios? I remember when he was in hospital and no matter how people hated him, the politicians came together to pray for him because he was a, he's a per they realized in that moment, he's a person. And I think sometimes I feel sorry for celebrities and things because what Christian goes to them and witnesses, like if you're, if you're famous, it's less likely that you're going to have someone come and share the gospel with you because you're, no one thinks about you in that way. You're like a character, you're not a real person. So I think we've got to remember that um, our politicians are people as well and their souls and there's nothing stopping, you know, there's no reason why they can't be brought to Christ as well. So you know, I do pray for my leaders, but then I also pray. Sometimes I think when bad things happen, like if our country was to fall apart, I look at COVID, I look at petrol crisis, I look at, you know, uh, problems with the gas and all that. And I th sometimes I think good because sometimes countries need punishment. You know, we, we, we've, we've walked away from God and we're, every day we're putting more and more things in control in, in place that that um rejects everything that god wants for us and it's like we deserve things not to go our way because this is what happens when a country who says they are christians then start rejecting god and I, but so there's there's two ways sometimes i pray that god does um use these things to you know sometimes bring punishment but sometimes then i ask god for mercy and one person i think about is daniel and how and so 
um, there's a prayer sometimes that I re- read in the morning. Um, it's part of Daniel's prayer, how I've got, I've got it here. It says, you are our righteous, our Lord, but we are humiliated this day. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all of Israel, both near and far away in all the countries in which you have scattered them because they have behaved unfaithfully towards you. Oh Lord, we have been humiliated, our kings, our leaders and our ancestors because we have sinned against you. And um, he goes on, you know, how God has punished them. But he says, Our Lord, according to all your justice, please turn away your raging anger away from your city, Jerusalem and holy mountain. For due to our sins and the iniquities of our ancestors, um, Jerusalem and your people are mocked by all the neighbours. So now, our God, accept the prayer and request of your servant and show favour to the devastated sanctuary for your own sake. Listen attentively, my God, and hear open your eyes and look on our desolated ruins and the city called by your name for it is not because of our righteousness righteous deeds that we are praying to you but because of your compassion um, you because your compassion is abundant O lord hear O lord forgive O lord pay attention and act don't delay for your own sake oh my god for your city and your people are called by your name and i always think you know that there's many people when you look at history a lot of english people have gone out and do, done so much good work in terms of spreading the gospel and now we find our place uh, ourselves in this place and i think god remember remember those people remember the prayers that they would have offered up go back in history and, and hear those prayers and hear the prayers of christians right now and and save us from the calamity that is awaiting us because the future is not looking good for this country at all and it and really what we want to do is for god to bring a, a revival in this country so I, I see it in two ways so i do pray for my leaders every day because you know there's nothing stopping us from becoming a godly nation were we a godly nation i don't know as you as things start getting revealed <laughs> you find that a lot of things were going on behind the scenes that weren't right so were we ever a godly nation i don't know but i, I see a lot of the i see like countries coming over you know the influx of certain countries the growth of say african churches you know there's a reason why god brings have things happen in a country and i think sometimes it's god's mercy and sometimes it's god's judgment and it's a mixture of the two yes. and we've just got to pray that god has his way yes. with us yes. that's it that's yeah. it so but um just one more thing as he as emily was, as emily was talking something came to me Regarding, and, and I think I've mentioned my sorry, my ears feel as if I'm in a airplane, you know. Um, you, you know that sense, I just can't get rid of it. Um, um, I don't know if, if the rough just coming and, and I'm going up, <laughs> but what's but my ears is that it just um, like I'm in a airplane, yeah. Um, so I, I you, you know, I did say. And sometimes, um, sometimes people don't realize that, um, and I use the word selfish, but I don't use it as selfish as, as spiteful, because there's a different kind of a selfishness. So, so, you know, so let's say, for example, um, we spend the next, um, when we go home, when we finish this thing now, every one of us might decide to go, uh, let's say, Reese, you're going to have, um, a cup of tea or something like that, yeah? And um, and one of the, the little boys or the little girl come and say, um, 
oh, Dad, can you come and read a book for me? And he said, darling, you know, I, I can't do it now. Daddy's tired, you know. Uh, you know uh, now, that is selfish, but what do we mean by selfish? It may, it, for me, in that context, it don't mean that you're spiteful to the child. It means that you have a need that you, you're going to address. You're looking after self at this moment. Self, you're looking after self at this moment. The T is part of the thing that self is going to do for self's sake. Now, I'm saying that to say this. When I use the word selfish, I just want to be understood that what I mean and what I don't mean. So uh, some prayer, prayer that we pray are selfish. Um, some things that we do are selfish. So, 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 what, so what I was saying, when Emily read that scripture, it says, pray for leaders, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. And then it gives, the, it gives a rationale why. And it's the selfish part that we may live a quiet and peaceable life. And of course, it, when God blesses us, the blessing will, if God blesses the church in the United Kingdom, and blesses the people in Wolverhampton, the churches and the, and the Christian people and the religious righteous people in Wolverhampton, I believe that there will be a spin-off to the Wolverhampton on a whole, if you understand where I'm coming from. So here is, because this is what the scriptures say, you know, you know, people who hang onto our shirt tail and our frock tail as righteous people, they will be blessed. So the Bible says, some people say, let us, let us be called by your name. Why? Let, 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 us, you know, uh, let us dwell with you. Because there, is, there should be blessing for people hanging around Christian and righteous thinking people. There should be a blessing flowing off. Could be material, could be spiritual, whatever. But there should be something happening. You know, otherwise, we're not having no impact and influence upon anybody. You know, so... So the, here's the selfish bit then. So we're praying for the good of the country and the good of the leader that we, everybody's going to benefit. Everybody who is good is going to benefit, but also we are going to benefit. And so the selfishness is, the apostle said, this prayer is for your sake. You're praying for them that you might live a quiet and peaceable and godly life. That's fundamental. So, here is the thing that Jesus said. Jesus said two things. He said more than two things that could be relevant, but I just two just clutch, um, take a, a hook on me. One of them is that prayer that Jesus prays when he says, Father, I do not pray for the world. That's Jesus. He said, but I'm praying. That's selfish praying out. He says, I'm not praying for the world but I'm praying for these that you have given me. I pray not for the world, but I pray for these that you may give it, that you have given me and that you will keep them from the evil that's in the world. You know, that we could look at that, we could look at that ourselves, you know, but that's a very clear selfish prayer for the disciples, not for the world. And I'm not saying that Jesus don't have an interest in the world. The interest in the world 
is that we as Christian ambassadors of Jesus Christ should be light and salt that the world might see the good works and, 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 and equate the good works that we do with Jesus Christ and so come to know him through that. So the next thing I'd like to just finish by saying that uh, Jesus, when he was sending his disciples out on mission, he says, when you go into this city, he said, um, greet it and bless it. And if, they, if the people in that city embrace you, he said, let your peace remain with them. And he said, if they turn against you, wipe off the very dust of your feet against them and take back your peace with you. Don't leave your peace there because they rejected you. They have rejected me. And I think this is, this is probably the same context when Jesus said, they that receive, he that receive a righteous man, he that receive a prophet in the name of a prophet shall get a prophet reward. He that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man will get a righteous man reward. And he that receives a good man in the name of a good man will in no wise lose his reward. So, so, so there, you know, when people reject us as Christians, they don't just reject me and you, they reject the Lord Jesus Christ, especially if we're living and practicing and doing God's will, and we're therefore associated as children of God. And if the world rejects us and treats us bad, they do treat Jesus Christ badly also. Okay, gents, I'm going to have to dash off. God bless you. It's been great. No problem. Thank you very much for this evening. I appreciate uh, for the opportunity, Reese, and um, I pray for we get more people to be participate and to contribute. Yeah, yeah, no, certainly. I think that's going to be the plan for next year. So I'm going to have to uh, do some digging in my book and try and revise how all that will work out. But now I certainly appreciate everybody's uh, contributions for people turning up. We're solely trying to get outside the bubble of just doing it amongst ourselves. So it's good to hear different um, perspectives, like from yourself, Robert. It's good to have you here. Uh, I can see my wife's on there. She's not saying anything, but I know it's because she's with her. And thank you, Emily, for your contributions also. And Alfred, <laughs> it's always great to have you here as well. Um, you know, I do very much appreciate um, those who have turned up. And I guess some have left, but I do thank them, like people like Chris and Bav um, and my sister Nia who turned up. Yeah, thank everyone for those who have turned out. Um, but Reese, if I can just say, um, you know, I, I congratulate you. And um, I don't know what caused you to wake up out of the side of the bed that you did to, to want to do this. Um, but I do bless you for doing it. And I, and I think you're doing a great, great thing. It, it cannot be easy. I mean, I'm not doing what you're doing and I don't know the ins and out and ins and out and, you know, but it cannot be easy. I, 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 that much I do have an appreciation of, but you're doing a great job. Bless you, keep it up. Eventually, somebody's going to be stirred, somebody's going to be troubled. What we're trying to do, what you're trying to do, is to help the children of God to grow up and mm -hmm. to mature and to stop being babies. And a lot of us are babies. So well done, keep it up, push the boundary, push what you're doing, ask the question, let us do it in the name of Jesus. So, and also, I cannot end without saying this, you got a great wife, take care so of her. So indeed. <laughs> 
Indeed. And that's going on the record now. I'm not just saying that because it's being recorded. <laughs> yes, I wonder where I'm going to do this. God bless. Teamwork has certainly made the dream work. So thank you all for your contribution. Bless you. Bless you. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. Okay. Bye. 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 Christmas period but I guess when this airs it'll be Boxing Day but uh, hopefully you've had a we've all had a very good Christmas and that as we approach the new year that God certainly blesses you and continues to to challenge you and to, to continue to allow you to grow that you become more satisfied in him also become further in your faith and are equipped with the not all the spiritual blessings but also the the uh, practical skills to be able to defend your faith and to reach others with it also so here from us at 66 deep wish you a very very prosperous and beautiful new year until next time take care and god bless <laughs>